Hello my lovelies and welcome to another episode of Primed for Crime. I am your host Liv and I am very excited to have you here and hope you enjoy today's case. In today's episode we will be talking about the torso in the Thames in 2001 and the huge effort by investigators to find the identity of this young boy and the people responsible for his death. Before we get into the case, I just want to state that everything I talk about today is just information I have found online, and I mean no disrespect to anybody involved or mentioned. And today's episode, we will be talking about the death of a minor, and some parts might not be nice to hear to some listeners, so please bear that in mind. And if you're not comfortable listening to this at the moment, then please feel free to click out of this podcast. So, let's begin. This is the Torso in the Thames. On the 21st of September 2001, a man named Aidan Minter was walking across Tower Bridge in London heading to a business meeting. But as he looked out onto the water, he saw something that looked quite strange. In a BBC article, Aidan said, quote, The tide was quite high at the time. I thought it was a tailor's mannequin. Then it came under the bridge, and that's when I saw the detail. End quote. The police were quickly called, and they did in fact pull a body from the water. Now this unidentified remains belonged to a black male around four to eight years old and he was wearing orange shorts with a label Kids Company. Now it was actually found that these specific shorts could only be found in a small number of shops in Germany. Um, We will get onto the ins and outs of that shortly. And it was believed that this young boy was probably in the water for up to 10 days. So as he hadn't been identified and he didn't have a name, the police decided to call him Adam. So a post-mortem was carried out and it showed that Adam had traces of cough syrup found in his stomach, which leads me to question why? I mean, maybe his killer gave him some to make him drowsy before killing him or had he been feeling sick and whoever killed him was you know concerned enough to give him medicine however that wasn't the only thing found in Adam's stomach there was also an unusual substance made of African river clay including vegetation ground bone and there was traces of golden quartz And they also found ash, which showed that the mixture had been burned before this child had eaten it. So again, maybe that that kind of explains the cough medicine. Maybe it was just something sweet to wash down, you know, this unpleasant kind of mixture that he had in his stomach. Now, this next bit, I will give you a quick warning. It's not, it could be quite upsetting to some listeners. um, And it's probably the worst part about this case. And that was the condition of his body. So it was found that his throat had been slit and his head and limbs, all his limbs had been expertly removed. There were no signs of physical or sexual abuse and it looked like he had been well fed. 
Now, because of this evidence, it led investigators to suspect that Adam had been trafficked to the UK specifically for a mutie killing, which is a ritual sacrifice performed by a witch doctor that uses a child's body parts to make medicinal potions called mutie. Now, other experts believed it was more likely a human sacrifice with its origins in a sort of version of Yoruban belief systems from Nigeria. And this is an offering to the goddess Oshun or Ocean, typically associated with water and fertility. There was further forensic testing done on his stomach contents and tracing minerals in his bones, which showed Adam had only been in the UK for a few days or weeks before he was murdered. Investigators started looking through databases of missing children in the UK and Europe in a hope to try and find a match for Adam, try and figure out who this poor boy was. You know, you'd like to think that he had been reported missing. So they looked everywhere through every single, you know, file they could. However, they couldn't find a match at all. So this is when they turned to the public for help. So we know that Adam was found in September 2001, which unfortunately was the same month as the 9-11 attacks in the US. So initially, Adam's story only received moderate publicity. However, over the next year or so, coverage and interest in Adam's case increased in the UK and rewards were offered for any information leading to the killer's conviction or to Adam's identification. There was actually a £50,000 reward offered. But this story had not yet received much publicity in Nigeria, which is where they are thinking that Adam is from. So when the investigation had run cold in the UK, London officials flew to Johannesburg in South Africa, where Nelson Mandela made a public appeal requesting any information that might be relevant to help the police in London identify Adam. He said, quote, Scotland Yard informs me that early indications of their investigations are that the boy comes from somewhere in Africa. So if anywhere, even in the remotest village of our continent, there is a family missing a son of that age who might have disappeared around that time, please contact the police, end quote. This appeal was broadcast all over Africa and even translated into tribal languages, including the local language in the region that investigators had linked Adam to. The next year, in July 2002, a social worker in Glasgow became worried about the safety of two girls who were living with their mother an African woman in her early 30s named Joyce Oshigeda. And I'm not entirely sure if I'm pronouncing that correct, please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but these social workers found bizarre ritualistic objects in her home. And this did get taken to court. And during the hearing, Joyce told the courtroom um, stories of cults, um, killings and sacrifices. It all seemed a little bit strange and there was one police officer who thought that 
it was strange enough to warrant a call to the homicide unit in London. Now, I'm not sure if he linked Adam's case in his head or if it was just a feeling that something was wrong, but DS Nick Chalmers carried out a search of Joyce's home and came across an item in particular. They found orange shorts, the same size as Adam's with the same Kids and Company label that could only be traced back to Germany. And yeah, I mean, what would what were the chances that they would find those exact same shorts in this woman's apartment? So obviously after finding this, Joyce was arrested and the officers were sure that she was a key piece to this puzzle, but she was confused and kept changing her account. She said that she knew nothing about Adam, but couldn't explain the extraordinary coincidence about the shorts. So with little to no evidence, the police couldn't charge Joyce and so she remained in Glasgow waiting for the results of her asylum claim. A few months later, in September 2002, it had been a year since Adam's body was found. There was a memorial service held in London's City Hall to celebrate his short life and this was attended by roughly 30 police officers, scientists, pathologists and, you know, other people who were involved in the case. And I think the thing that is so sad about this is the fact that he had family out there somewhere, but at this moment in time, the people at this memorial kind of were the closest thing he had to family, if that makes sense. You know, they were all there for Adam and were dedicated to finding out who he was and try and get justice for him, you know, and find out who had done this to this poor child. There was further forensic work carried out and by December of that year, it was clear that Adam's DNA pointed to a West ancestry. And amazingly, tests on samples of bone narrowed down his birthplace to a small area around Benin City, which is southern Nigeria. And coincidentally, also Joyce's home city. Now, as this was going on, Joyce was deported that November after the Home Office rejected her asylum application. And DC Nick Chalmers and DI Willow Riley travelled with her to Nigeria in the hopes that she might open up on the fly and perhaps reveal crucial information about the murder. But this didn't happen. The plane landed and, you know, she got off, they got on another flight home and Joyce just disappeared. Not long after this, the German police revealed that Joyce had lived in Hamburg until late 2001, which again, coincidentally, that is the city where the orange shorts found on Adam were bought. So at this point, does it really feel coincidental? Um, you know, make your own minds up. But this is when there was what seemed like another major breakthrough. So, when the police had arrested Joyce, they found that she only had two contacts in her phone. One of which was a man named Mwausa Kamara. 
Now, the police managed to trace him back to a house in London, and this house was investigated by the police where they found all sorts. I mean, they found an animal skull pierced with a nail, liquid potions, um, a small packet containing what appeared to be sand or earth, as well as a videotape labelled, quote, rituals which was a drama in which an adult was being beheaded. Now, I'm not sure whether it was, like, real life or if it was dramatised. I'm not sure about that. But nevertheless, still pretty weird. Now, these items um, seem to be related with Nigerian rituals known as juju. But it was also revealed that this man wasn't actually who they thought he was. His real name was actually Kingsley Ojo, but with nothing to directly link him with Adam's murder, he was released on bail. However, there was clear evidence to the police that Kingsley was involved in human trafficking, so he was very quickly put under surveillance, and just two hours after being released, he was back talking to his criminal friends, organising the illegal entry of Nigerians to the UK. The police believed that he was a major player in a gang smuggling people into the country, So after following his every move and finding out who his criminal associates were, 21 men and women were arrested in nine different raids at addresses across London. In October 2003, botanists at Kew Gardens had been studying samples of the plant remains found in Adam's gut when they came to a startling conclusion. It was found that Adam had been fed parts of two different plants. The first were small amounts of calibre bean, which is sometimes known as the doomsday plant or ordeal plant. And it's traditionally used in witchcraft ceremonies in West Africa. And with this sort of dosage, it would cause paralysis. However, it wouldn't have prevented pain. And the second was ground up seeds from the Datura plant, which is a sedative and causes hallucinations. So it was believed that these plants were given to Adam before his, you know, body was cut. And This would have left this poor boy paralysed and helpless, but still completely aware of what was happening to him, which is such an awful thing to even think about, never mind go through. You know, I just can't imagine if if it did happen like this, how, how scared and helpless he must have felt. You know, he's such a young boy. It wouldn't be nice for anybody to go through, but especially at that sort of age. And ugh, honestly, I don't even like to think about it. And I really hope that it maybe didn't happen like that. Um, but this is what was concluded. In July 2004, Kingsley Ojo was taken to court with four charges of people smuggling and using fake documents to obtain a passport and driving licence. Now he pleaded guilty and was sentenced to four years in jail with a recommendation that he be deported after his release. 
Apparently, in prison, he gained a reputation for being a quote, big man, and would perform juju ceremonies for money on behalf of other prisoners. Now, in 2005, Kingsley contacted the team investigating Adam's death from prison. Now, he claimed that he had secret recordings of Joyce recorded in Nigeria by his associates. And he apparently wanted to help investigators find the real killer and clear his own name. At the end of his sentence, whilst he was waiting to be deported, um, investigators interviewed him and he basically convinced them that he could help. And by the late 2005, he was released and living back in East London, apparently assisting with the investigation. But for more than two years, he would feed the police information. However, a lot of what he said turned out to be false. Uh, For example, he accused another woman of leading a sacrificial ceremony back in 2001. However, after placing an undercover officer in her church for months on end, detectives found that there was no evidence to support this claim. In December 2006, Adam was laid to rest in an unmarked grave in a London cemetery and a handful of police who worked on the case attended the service including DS Nick Chalmers and Will O'Reilly. In 2008, detectives concluded that they couldn't really trust or rely on Kingsley and they believed that he was still using a fake identity to commit benefit fraud and in turn was deported back to Nigeria. However, he still claimed that he had done his best throughout to assist in the investigation. Now it was at this time that Joyce reappeared and was interviewed by the police. So during this interview, Joyce admitted that she had known Adam and she said that she had looked after Adam when she lived in Hamburg and had in fact bought the orange shorts found on his body. But that was all, nothing else, and she just vanished again. And it wouldn't be until 2011 when they found a promising new lead. Detectives searched through Joyce's belongings that she had left with a friend in Germany and among this they found a pile of photographs. One of them showed a boy around five years old staring straight at the camera and this photo was taken in 2001. Nick Chalmers was sceptical at first that this young boy was Adam, but at this time he had moved on from this investigation and another team had moved in. The photo was given to ITV News and they tried to track down Joyce in Nigeria. Joyce was found and said that yes, the boy in the photo was Adam. However, Adam was not called Adam. His actual name was Ikpamosa. Now she claimed that she had looked after the boy but had given him to a man called Bauer. So finally, it seemed that this decade-long mystery had finally been solved but unfortunately this wasn't the case. 
A year later, in 2012, Joyce's brother, Victor, contacted Angus Crawford and Tony Smith from the BBC. He said there had been a misunderstanding and it turns out the boy wasn't Adam and his real name wasn't Ikpamosa and they just wanted to set the record straight. So Angus and Tony travelled to Benin City with Nick Chalmers who at this point had retired from the Met. They found Joyce living in a small house in a rundown village but she was pleased to see them however at times seemed a bit confused. It was known that Joyce suffered from mental health problems. Whilst talking to Joyce, she suggested another name for Adam. She said that he was actually called Danny, but they managed to track him down in Hamburg. He is very much still alive and well, and he was actually the person in this photograph. So she said Danny, um, but then she said another name as well. She then called him Patrick Ereba. So it all just seems a little bit up in the air at this point. You know, she's just throwing names left, right and centre. We're not really sure what's going on. However, they do finally show Joyce another photograph and she immediately identified the man as someone called Bauer which was the person that she says she gave Adam to in 2001. However, plot twist, the photo was actually of Kingsley Ojo. So now they're thinking, well, he's got to be involved. So they tracked him down and he declined to meet with them, but said that he would talk on the phone and just insisted that he had no involvement in Adam's murder. And, well, realistically, there wasn't any other evidence linking him to the killing. However, he may still hold the key to solving this case. Since 2013, the investigation into Adam's identity and murder has become a cold case and There have been no more significant leads and we are no closer to finding the answers this young boy deserves. In 2020, it was revealed from Joyce's brother that she had passed away and she was the last remaining link to Adam and potentially a crucial witness. And that does conclude today's case, so thank you very much for listening. Um, It really is a very sad case and frustrating I guess more than anything you know this innocent boy was brutally murdered and whoever was responsible for his death still haven't been brought to justice and it's been what more than 20 years now and it honestly breaks my heart that somewhere out there are his parents his family you know he's a missing child um and they're probably not even aware of the extent of what happened to him or that he is now buried in London. So thank you very much for listening. That's all from me today. Um, Don't forget to like, follow, share, review, all that good stuff. And head over to the Primed for Crime TikTok page where I post small snippets of cases. Um, I've also started putting up, um, so every time I put an episode up now, I will put pictures along with it, any interviews, anything like that. So I'm going to upload this and then I will put one out for this case. So 
go over and check that out and yeah if there are any updates in this case I'll be sure to let you know but that's all from me today so I hope you have a good rest of the week and I will see you later bye